well, she is, that you'll ever meet. So, uh, but anyway, we're glad to see them here tonight. I want to read tonight um, from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. And I'm going to be talking tonight. My subject tonight is a, t- is a question. The title of my presentation tonight's a question. Who is the Antichrist? And I want to do my best to answer that question. And I do believe, based on Scripture, we can kind of narrow it down to give you an idea of uh, who this person might be, or at least where they're coming from, and some characteristics about them. I know it's a, a huge question of interest, and I will probably spend the next two to three Wednesday nights on this subject. It'll take several Wednesday nights. It'll end up being probably two, two and a half hours total of Bible study to cover this subject. So if you're here tonight... I'm going to bait you a little bit and tell you if you want to hear the rest of it, you're going to have to come back next Wednesday night. And I'm going to probably slide in a Bible study in the middle of the Who is the Antichrist series. And I'm going to do a little study on the abomination of desolation. So you'll want to come hear that one. And if you hear that one, then you'll want to come back again and hear the last one on the Antichrist. So throughout the next three or four Wednesday nights in a row, you need to be here. And uh, you'll have some of these questions that you've been asking, heard other people ask, surely you'll have a better answer to those questions. Paul said to the church in Thessalonica in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering unto him. That's the rapture. Did y'all catch that? Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together unto him that you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us as that day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first and that the son of man be revealed the son of perdition who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. And now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. In other words, something is preventing him being revealed. Paul said in catch verse 7, For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And when that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him, the Antichrist, whose coming is afar, or excuse me, is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. For, and for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they, might, uh, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. I want to spend a few moments with you tonight as we approach this question Who is the Antichrist? I ask you to notice where Paul said, For the mystery of iniquity 
doth already work or the mystery of iniquity is already working. What you have to understand, and I'm, I'm going to be as short in this preliminary segment as I can because I want to get to my other material. But I need to build a little foundation here first. We have heard through the medium of Sunday school and teaching the Bible to the level, maturity level of our children, we have come as adult people to allow somehow our very simple elementary upbringing on Sunday school stories, Bible stories, to somehow let that be the fullest extent of our Bible study. And so there's a tremendous stories in the Bible that we do not give the full merit and full accreditation to that they deserve. One of the first stories in the Bible that you'll hear is the story of Adam and Eve and how they were tempted by the serpent. What I'm going to appeal to you people and, and plead with you here tonight is to understand when the devil could not overthrow God on his throne in heaven, he is making an effort to overthrow God in the hearts and minds of man. That was his ploy in the Garden of Eden, and it has been his strategy up until today and until the world ends. The devil is going to do everything he can to overthrow God in the minds and hearts of people. The devil has two tactics. Number one is to convince people that there is not a God, which we call atheist. If you'll remember with me, there's two major continents on this planet right now, two of the largest continents on this planet right now that are atheistic. That's Russia and China. Uh, so overwhelming, our, we have a significant, overwhelming majority of the world's population that does not believe a God exists. Number two ploy that the devil does is if he can't convince you that there's not a God, then he will convince you that there is a God, but he's not for you. Or if this God that exists is not for you, then you can create your own. You have to understand, as simple as that is, you have to understand it is the mystery of iniquity. Iniquity in the Bible is a sin that is committed, that is premeditated. When this is referred to as the mystery of iniquity, it's the human race not understanding the premeditated sin that Satan is playing on humanity. We don't understand that. There's people here tonight that don't understand that. If you understood it, your lifestyle would be different than what it is right now. So when the devil sowed that seed... Into the human race when he beguiled Eve. Sin and that mystery of iniquity became the DNA, if you will, of all mankind. This is why David said in the Psalms, he had a greater understanding of God, in my opinion, than anyone else in the Old Testament. Based on the fact that he established what is called the Tabernacle of Praise, which we still don't know a whole lot about that. Uh, I want to get to that subject one of these days. But David said, we were born in sin and shaping in, in iniquity. We were born in sin and shaping in iniquity. 
It is that mystery of iniquity. It is that premeditated sin that the devil is playing on the human race against God. And it has worked from Adam and Eve and the serpent in the garden until now. When God cleansed the earth, you can read Genesis, I believe it's Genesis 6, when he cleansed the earth with the flood of Noah, the Bible said that the imagination of man was only evil continually. He cleansed the earth, but that spirit of iniquity was not wiped out. It was not destroyed with the human race. It was carried through the flood on the ark through sons Noah, through the son of Noah named Ham. Ham was the grandfather of Nimrod, and Nimrod carried the spirit of the Antichrist. He sowed it in the world, and it has been here ever since. When Paul said in Thessalonians that the spirit of iniquity doth already work, that's what he was referring to. That when you read the Bible, you folks have to understand, especially the Old Testament. When you read the Old Testament, there is a foreground story right in front of you of the nation of Israel. And God's chosen people and all of that. But as you read the Old Testament, you have to keep in mind, beginning with Genesis chapter 11, with the story of the Tower of Babel, that there is a background story of an anti-Christ, anti-God movement that came to fruition at the end of the Old Testament, and it was called Babylon. Babel became Babylon. Babylon used to be what Iraq, the country of Iraq, is now, that was Babylon. It was much bigger then, but it was essentially the country of Iraq. When Persia overthrew Iraq at the end of the Old Testament, it was a story in the book of Daniel where uh, Nebuchadnezzar saw the handwriting on the wall and God spoke to him or Belshazzar and said, you've been weighed in the balances and found mourning. That was the Medes and Persians coming to overthrow uh, Babylon. It did not destroy that spirit of Babylon. It just went right on through Persia. It went right on through Greece, went right on through Rome, and even when the Jews were snuffed out uh, by, in 70 AD by the Romans, and then finally the Roman Empire fell uh, in the 5 to 700 AD era, uh, I believe I could prove to you in history that Muhammad picked up on that Antichrist spirit around 600 AD when he came up with the, the Muslim thing that we know today. And on and on it goes. Paul said... The mystery of iniquity is not something coming. It's already at work. And he's pleading with the church. Do not let any man deceive you by any means. You get your face in the book. You know what the word of God says. You put it firmly in your heart. And you're not moved to the right nor to the left. You stay your course. And he said in this scripture. That there would be a falling away. Before the son of uh, this, this, the Antichrist the son of perdition, could be revealed. I believe, and I feel strongly that God spoke this to me this week in preparing for this study tonight. When Paul said that there would be a falling away first, I believe tonight I've heard all kinds of interpretations of that scripture. Most people believe that there's going to be a great backsliding out of the church. I never have believed that. I've never been able to get my head around that because at the same time, that the world is getting ready for the Antichrist, God said he's going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. So it sounds to me like you're going to have a group backsliding and a group coming in. You know, it's, and it don't make sense to me. I believe what the scripture is saying is that the mindset and the posture of mankind 
is going to have to turn far enough away from God that they don't believe in God anymore. They don't believe in the Word of God anymore. And our world is there now. I read a statistic on the internet last year that 48% of Protestant Christian people who attend church at least once a week does not believe that there's a hell. That's where we're living. This is Protestant people that goes to church at least once a week faithfully, pays their tithes. 48% of them does not believe there's a hell. The devil has systematically worked global society, whether it is through Hinduism, Muslims, or Islam, whatever religion, it doesn't matter. Do you folks understand that? It don't matter what religion it is. As long as it turns you away from God, it doesn't matter. And he has systematically worked the human race to that point. Now, we're here in our American culture where we have... Kids the age of our young people, 13, 14, 15 years old, that hardly even knows now that a Bible exists. They don't know the books of the Bible. They don't know chapters and verses. They don't know anything about God. I would promise you today you could bring most of the kids in this church that attend Central Middle School right across the street, bring a Bible with you and tell them to turn to the book of Zechariah, and most of them couldn't find it. The devil has systematically worked our society. Do you understand what Madeleine O'Hara did to the United States when she finally got the Supreme Court to rule in her favor, taking prayer out of schools? And then they took the Bible out of schools. Don't you folks see that? Don't you see what's happened? The devil has systematically either taken God out of people's minds or the knowledge of God out of people's minds. That's the falling away, in my opinion, where people will buy into this Antichrist thing because they have no God knowledge to compare it to or to weigh against it. And so they'll fall for the Antichrist. Sounds good to me. He's as much of a God or God as anybody else I know is because they've never been in the presence of God. They've never been exposed to God. I want you to keep in mind that Russia and China are atheistic countries. I want you all to understand that. How much more of our world has any kind of Christian basis at all? Is the United States about the last bastion of Christianity? And where does it stand? So you see, when an antichrist comes on the scene, our world is going to go for the man because they don't believe in God anyway. They don't go to church. There's no traffic problems getting to church on Sunday morning. I've heard more people say that, yep, Brother Murphy, I live a long ways away. But there's so very little traffic on Sunday morning. Isn't that a shame? It ought to be the busiest day of the week. Are y'all with me here tonight? So who is the Antichrist? The Bible does not specifically name who the Antichrist will be. But it does give us some idea as to what he will be like. There's a lot of speculation. I hear this stuff and I have to smile. Uh, I remember when I was a kid, my parents and that age group, that generation of people was just sure that Henry Kissinger was going to be the Antichrist. Does anybody here remember that besides me? We have a few people here that remember that. Um, when George W. Bush was president, there was a lot of people that said George Bush is going to be the Antichrist. 
And now that Barack Obama is president, a lot of people are saying that he's going to be the Antichrist. And the next president after him will be the Antichrist if the Lord tarries it. Everybody loves to speculate. I've heard people say that Bill Clinton was the next Antichrist. I mean, just right down the line, there's a lot of speculation as to about who's going to be the Antichrist. Some says that Prince Charles, or perhaps two of one of two of his boys, uh, Prince William, and don't remember the other one's name. Uh, people have thrown all kind of possibilities out there as to who the Antichrist would be. However, it's highly improbable that any of these people that I've just mentioned will be the actual son of perdition spoken of in Second Thessalonians chapter 2. And I'll explain to you over the course of the next several Wednesday nights why that's not going to be possible. I want to begin tonight kind of simple with the Antichrist and who the Antichrist is so we'll all have the same platform and the same basis I want to give you some Bible names for the Antichrist, and by taking a look at the different names for the Antichrist in the Bible, we can gain a better understanding of the kind of person that he'll be. First of all, the term Antichrist is only found in 1 John 2.18, 2.22, and 4.3, and then in 2 John 7. The Apostle John was the only Bible writer to use the name or the term Antichrist. Studying these verses, we learned that many antichrists or false teachers will appear between the time of Christ's first and second coming, but there will be only one great antichrist that will rise to power during the end times or the last hour, as First uh, John phrases it. He will deny, the antichrist will deny that Jesus is the Christ, and he will become an incredible liar, an incredible deceiver. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, the Bible said, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone into the world. Hereby you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ has come, is, uh, is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. So he's given you a standard by which you can test whether a person is legitimate in their teaching or not. In other words, if people do not confess, if a teacher will not confess that Jesus Christ is God come in the flesh, then they are an antichrist. The Bible is very clear on that point. Uh, And every spirit that confesses not that Jesus has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of antichrist whereof you have heard that it should come, and even now it is already in the world. So John admits, along with Paul, that the spirit of iniquity, the spirit of the Antichrist, is already in the world. By the end time, many will easily be deceived and embrace the Antichrist because his spirit will already dwell within the world and their minds will be turned in a bent towards his direction anyway. So the Bible refers to him as the Antichrist. It also refers to him as the man of sin. The Antichrist is described as the man of sin or the son of perdition. Here, the Apostle Paul, like John, is also warning believers about the Antichrist's ability to deceive. In 2 Thessalonians, again, chapter 2, verse 3, he said, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first. I want you to see that and understand the context of the Scripture. 
Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except they're coming and falling away first. To me, the falling away is a very simple answer. It's going to be people who are going to be easily deceived. That's the falling away, where there's no mindset or mind posture towards God whatsoever. Verse 4, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. In the NIV, it makes it clear that a time of rebellion will come prior to Christ's return, and then the man of lawlessness, the man doomed to destruction, the NIV says, will be revealed. The Antichrist eventually will exalt himself above God to be worshipped in the Lord's temple, proclaiming that he is God. Verses 9 and 10 say that the Antichrist will do counterfeit miracles, signs, and wonders to gain a following and deceive many. So in the Bible, he's referred to as the Antichrist and the man of sin. He is also referred to in the book of Revelation as the beast. Everybody say the beast. In Revelation chapter 13, verse 1, the Bible said, John said, And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, his feet were like the feet of a bear, his mouth was as the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. The dragon, of course, represented here is the devil, or Satan. And I saw one of his heads as if it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. And they worshipped the dragon, or Satan, which gave power unto the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. It was given to, unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. I believe the saints referred to there as the Jewish people. And power was given over him, all kindreds and tongues and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life uh, of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. I want to tell you folks here, and I'm going to say this in passing. If you don't make the rapture, you will become a worshiper of Satan. There won't be a choice. I'm telling you, the Spirit of God, I believe, is going to be lifted out of the world. Uh, there's strong movement and feeling, and uh, it came through uh, these people that made these movies several years ago about surviving the tribulation period and whatnot, uh, that you can actually be saved during the tribulation period. I, I really struggle with believing that. I'm, I'm not going to go as far as to say it is just absolutely not possible, but I'm going to say this in short. If you can't serve God now, you're sure not going to be serving God during the tribulation period. The Bible says that all that dwell on the face of the earth is going to worship Satan and you're going to worship the beast. So now you can worship him and be saved and all that at the same time. I know there's a lot of controversy and I'm not going to split hairs with anybody. If you believe you can be saved during the tribulation and you miss the rapture, I hope you can. I honestly do. I hope you can be saved all the way up to the white throne judgment. 
I believe in the pre-tribulation rapture, but if it's mid-trib or post-trib, I believe God will give the church grace to survive it all and what have you. I know you can interpret the Bible all kind of different ways to, to prove your point, but I prefer to believe in the pre-tribulation rapture. I think there's more scripture that goes in that direction than otherwise, and I choose to believe that, and uh, I don't believe that after the rapture of the church takes place that you're going to have much of an opportunity for salvation after that. Uh, you'll be a Satan worshiper by the time it's all said and done. I've heard people say, well, I'm not going to worship the Antichrist, and I'm not going to buy into all of that, and I'm not going to take the mark of the beast. Yes, you will. When you get hungry enough, I'll prove to you tonight with Scripture, you won't do any kind of buying or selling without the mark of the beast. And if you get hungry enough and the black market dries up in seven years, you'll do whatever it takes. You'll do whatever it takes to feed your family. So we see this name, the beast, used for the Antichrist several times in Revelation. The Antichrist will gain political power and spiritual authority over every nation on the earth. He will most likely begin his rise to power as a very influential, uh, very charismatic political or religious diplomat. He will rule the world government for 42 months, the Bible teaches, the last half of the tribulation period. And according to many uh, people that study prophecy, this time frame is understood to be during the latter half, the last three and a half years of the tribulation period. And during this period, the world will endure a time of unprecedented, unprecedented trouble. So the Antichrist, according to Scripture, is referred to as the beast. He is also referred to in the book of Daniel as a little horn. Uh, Daniel's prophetic vision of the end of days, we see a little horn described in chapter 7, 8, and 11. And the interpretation of Nebuchadnezzar's dream, this little horn is a ruler or king and speaks of the Antichrist. The Bible said in Daniel 7, 24, and 25, And the ten horns out of this kingdom are ten kings that shall arise, and another shall rise after them, and he shall be diverse from the first, and he shall subdue three kings. And he shall speak great words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and think to change times and laws, and they shall be given into his hand until a time and a times and the dividing of time. That's three and a half years. According to many end-time Bible scholars, Daniel's prophecy interpreted together with verses in Revelation specifically point to a future world empire coming from a revived or reborn Roman Empire like the one in existence at the time of Christ. They predict that the Antichrist will emerge from the old revived Roman Empire. A study of the Antichrist in the scriptures, including Daniel's prophecy in Ezekiel 38 and 39 in the book of Revelation, you'll see that at first the Antichrist won't appear to be evil, but a rather charming, <clears throat> very charismatic, diplomat type of person. The Antichrist will be someone who understands the economy and the global sphere and wins people over. He'll uh, a winsome character. Uh, no commerce will be allowed without his approval or approval from the government that he sets up. Uh, he will be seen as an economic genius, a foreign policy genius. He will, as most believe, emerge out of what was the old Roman Empire because... Daniel chapter 9, 26 and 27 says, The prince who is to come, or the Antichrist, will come from the people who destroyed Jerusalem 
and the temple. Let me read Daniel chapter 9, verse 26. And after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off. Um, I'd love to do a study with you guys on this stuff. But not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. And the end thereof shall be with a flood. And unto the end of the war desolations are determined. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations he shall make it desolate even until the consummation um, or consummation and that determined shall be poured out upon the desolate. Daniel says very clearly that the people who are going to come and destroy the city and the temple, the Antichrist will come from those people. He's referring to Rome, specifically Titus in 70 AD. We went through a study on that several weeks ago when he came in and destroyed Rome. Uh, or, or destroyed Jerusalem, uh, the Roman uh, army did. The Bible, Daniel prophesies that the prince or the Antichrist will come from that race of people. I want to say something to you folks that may be quite shocking. For those of you that are familiar with Bible prophecy, uh, if you'll recall Nebuchadnezzar's dream that Daniel interpreted where he saw the image of a man that had a head of gold and a uh, breast of silver, midsection of bronze, and then feet of uh, iron, or legs of iron, and then feet of iron and clay. How many remembers that? You familiar with that? So I know, okay, good number here that remembers that. What you folks have to understand, and I've heard all of my life, that the Antichrist is going to come from Europe because of the old Roman Empire. But the Roman Empire, back during the time of Christ, which is what this was referring to, the prince shall come from those people who destroyed the holy city and its temple. I just read that out of Daniel. That was Rome, the, the nation of Rome. And if you'll remember, they went through from Great Britain at that time. They went all the way from Great Britain all the way across through Asia. I want you to understand that the vision that Nebuchadnezzar had, the dream that he had, of this image of all these different metals representing these Gentile nations that would rule that known part of the world at different times, that when he interpreted the vision and it was determined that the two legs of that image that he saw represented Rome, what I have never heard in my entire life until just a few weeks ago doing this study, just kept digging. There's two legs that represent Rome. One leg represents what would be its western dynasty, which is Europe. The other leg of that represents its eastern dynasty, which would be more of the Muslim countries. So is it possible that the Antichrist could be European or he could be Muslim? Because the legs of that image represent two different dynasties. If you'll remember, when Rome ultimately fell, it was because Attila the Hun came from the north and he split Rome in two. He divided the western section from the eastern section and the eastern part of it 
uh, failed first, and then the, or excuse me, the western part fell first, and then the eastern part failed about two or 300 years later. It just got so weak that it couldn't survive anymore. So is it possible that the Antichrist could be of European descent or Muslim descent? Here's my personal feeling on it. You can take this in a quarter and go buy your cup of coffee. Uh, but this is my personal opinion about it. I believe it is possible that the Antichrist could be of European descent. Uh, I believe it's possible he could be from Spain. Uh, he could be from Italy. Uh, he could be of uh, Great Britain. Uh, I think there's a lot of things. I want to be real careful what I say here because it's being recorded. But uh, the Queen of England, uh, because of who she is, I believe she could have uh, some kids that could potentially uh, be the Antichrist and fulfill that role. The Bible does say that he'll be uh, the son of a king, but never a king. Uh, Prince Charles fills that role, so, all does, so also does his boys. Uh, but he, the, the Antichrist could also be of Muslim descent as well, so it could go either way. My hesitancy, I understand that part of, the known part of the world that Rome ruled during the time of Christ, 70 A.D., during that time of Christ, uh, or just after Christ. I do understand and appreciate the idea that, yes, they did rule in that Middle Eastern, what is all what we refer to now as the Middle East. They, they controlled all of that all the way into Asia. That's where the Muslim people came from. It's where Muhammad was from and so on. But I do understand that that religion was not yet created or started during that time as we know it now. That's my only hesitancy to think that the Antichrist could possibly be of Muslim descent. However, I also know that King Herod deceived the Jewish people, and he was their king, and he was not a Jew. Listen to me. King Herod was of the seed of Abraham, he was of the seed of Isaac, but he was not of the seed of Jacob. He was of the seed of Esau. So he proved to the Jewish people that he was of the seed of Abraham, but they didn't follow his lineage all the way through to see who he really was. On top of that, King Herod was married to a Gentile woman. So it disqualified him to be the king, but he deceived the Jews and actually built a dynasty, and there were several Herods that ruled as king over Israel around the time of Christ before and after, especially until 70 A.D. when Titus came in and ended the whole thing. So the Jews can be deceived by a people that can prove they have lineage of Abraham. And the, the Arab people do. They are of Abraham, but they're not of Sarah. Abraham is their father, but Sarah is not their mother, their, their God-given, sanctioned mother. Their mother is Hagar, a little Egyptian bondwoman from Egypt. So that's the difference. But the Jewish people have been known in history to be deceived along that line. I will point out to you folks, as, as, when I made my presentation on the nation of Israel and how they're preparing for the Antichrist, I made it clear in that Bible study, and I hope you caught it, but there's only about 2 to 3% of the Jewish population in Israel that is what you would call Jewish Orthodox who still want to go back to the law of Moses and reinstitute the temple. 
It's only 2 to 3% of the population that's even behind that. The rest of the Jewish people could virtually care less. They've become very Americanized because of strong American influence since World War II, and they're pretty much a, sec a secular state like everyone else is. So that nation will be very easily deceived. The Bible also teaches that during the tribulation period, and I believe it will be done by Russia, God said in Ezekiel 37, 38, he would draw them down, Gog and Magog. He would draw them down along with the Arab countries around uh, Israel, and uh, they'll make war on Israel. It'll ultimately bring about the Battle of Armageddon. But the Bible teaches that during the tribulation period, two-thirds of Israel is going to be destroyed, two-thirds of the people. And when that happens, they're going to call out to God, and God's going to rescue them, and he's going to turn them back to God. And that's when the Messiah will come. Uh, with the Battle of Armageddon, and they'll receive him, and so on. So understand, in my opinion, it's only my opinion, it's not doctrine, and I'm not trying to sell anybody on my idea. I'm just sharing it with you. Uh, that he, the, the Antichrist, in my opinion, could be of uh, European descent, or he could be of uh, Arab descent. All right. The Antichrist is also referred to as the false Christ, in the Gospels, uh, Mark 13, Matthew 24 and 25, Luke 21, Jesus warned his followers of the terrible events and the persecution that will occur before his second coming. Most likely, this is where the concept of an antichrist was first introduced to the disciples, although Jesus doesn't refer to him in the singular. He said in Matthew 24, 24, and there shall arise false Christ and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders insomuch that if it were possible, they'd save the very elect. So the Jewish people are going to buy into the Antichrist thing, especially when he starts emulating the things that the Messiah did. We're told in Revelation 1.19, and you'll want to pay very close attention, the book is divided into three sections. In Revelation 1.19, uh, John said, God spoke to John and said, Write the things which thou hast seen, past, the things which are present, and the things which shall be here after future. So in chapter 1, John was told to write the things which thou hast seen, and he wrote about the vision he saw of Christ walking in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, holding the seven stars in his right hand. He wrote about the glorious description of Jesus and his glorified state. In chapters 2 and 3, he writes about the things that are. This refers to the messages of Jesus to the seven actual churches of Asia. I believe that these were seven actual churches of that day. But I also believe that they refer to seven periods of church history. I also believe that they are representative of churches that you can find today. So I believe that you have a threefold application for the messages that was given to the seven churches. And in Revelation chapter 4 verse 1, when John is finished with the messages to the churches, he introduces a new section with the Greek word metatota, which means after these things or after the church age, that he also used in, in Revelation 1.19. So we need to ask, after what things would the rest of the book of Revelation uh, take place? After the things of chapters 2 and 3, it's after the church age. The things of chapter 2 and 3 are things of the church. So after the things that pertain to the church, we read in Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. John said, after this, I looked. And behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet talking with me, and said, 
Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And most people believe this is where the rapture of the church occurs in the book of Revelation. The church is now in heaven with Christ. And now uh, God is showing John what's going to happen to the rest of the planet with the church taken out of it. When the great tribulation occurs on earth, I expect to be in heaven standing before Jesus and singing about the worthiness of the Lamb. As you look carefully at the lyrics of the song that's going to be sung in heaven at that time, we realize that only the church can sing them. If we follow the timing, we see the church singing the song of redemption that occurs in chapter 5 before the coming of the scroll in chapter 6, and that preceded the great tribulation on earth. We see the church standing before Jesus talking about the great tribulation saying, Luke 21, 36, the Bible said, Pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all those things that shall come to pass and stand before the Son of Man. Believe you me, I hope and pray that there is a pre-tribulation rapture and that the Gentile church will be spared of those horrible times. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 5, a statement written to a Gentile church. He said much more then in Romans 5 verse 9, much more then being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. He repeats this to another Gentile church in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 9, for God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. We who are the church are not appointed to wrath. Paul went on to say to the church in Rome, which is also a Gentile church in chapter 1 verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. So the wrath of the tribulation period is going to be taken out on people who are ungodly and unrighteous. So if the church is still here during that time, is the church ungodly and unrighteous? That's a huge conflict with me when you read Scripture. It just simply isn't consistent with the nature of God to judge the world, the righteous with the wicked. To finish, is, uh, it is true that in the world we Christians shall have tribulation, but it's not necessarily referring to the tribulation period. A lot of people, in my opinion, misinterpret that Scripture. The world hates us. So we shouldn't be surprised at persecution. There's a difference between persecution and tribulation. Persecution is something who is done, that is done through uh, worldly carnal people who hate Christianity that's inspired to do it by the devil himself. That's persecution. Tribulation, as the Bible talks about, is wrath poured out from God. There's a big difference in my mind between tribulation from God and persecution from the devil. So for the rest of this study, we're going to look more closely at the period surrounding the last three and a half years of, of uh, the tribulation period, and we'll focus on the personage the Bible calls the Antichrist, the world dictator, I believe, who will be possessed by the devil himself that will persecute and attempt to annihilate all belief in God and any God other than himself. Uh, I was going to read 2 Thessalonians 2, 1 through 4. I'm going to keep moving. My time's running out. The lesson on Matthew 24, Jesus gave us a timeline, and here we see that uh, that timeline expanded to reveal more detail about the end time and the eventual return of Christ. We're told here that there must be a falling away, and then that man of sin be revealed, and that he would sit in the temple of God, setting himself up as God. That is the abomination of desolation, and I'll talk about that in the next couple of Wednesday nights. 
explaining to you what that means. I, I covered at the outset of this study what I believe the falling away is. It's when people have a mindset to fall away from God and to be convinced that the Antichrist will be God and they'll worship him as God, the Bible said. This son of perdition, this Antichrist, will be involved with obtaining the keys uh, or obtaining the kingdom by flatteries, according to Daniel eleven twenty one. Even though his heart is set against the covenant that is made with the nation of Israel, he will be obliged to constrain by physical, moral, or legal force or by any urgent need of circumstance to honor it at first, but then, as we already know, he'll break his covenant with Israel halfway through the tribulation period, commit the abomination of desolation, so on. Uh, he'll assassinate the two witnesses in Revelation, and he will set up himself as God in the temple in Jerusalem and demand that the whole entire world worship him. Um, I believe the devil uh, will possess the Antichrist at that moment, and I believe that he will try to do on earth against God what he tried to do in heaven against God. It didn't work in heaven, and it's not going to work on earth. He's going to try to usurp God off of his throne, and he wants to be the only one worshipped as God. And I do personally believe that the Antichrist will be the devil manifested in flesh, which will give him that ability to deceive and do the things that he will do. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 9, And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. So after being kicked out of heaven, the devil and his angels arrive on the earth in the person of this Antichrist and his followers to wage war on the saints or the Jewish people and overcome them. And this period is known as the Great Tribulation. I'm winding this down. Uh, in Revelation chapter 12, verse 12, the Bible said, Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. For the devil has come down unto you, having great wrath. The devil has come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knows that he hath but a short time. And when the dragon saw that he was cast unto the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness into her place where she is nourished for a time and times and a half a time from the face of the serpent. The serpent was uh, cast out of his mouth, water as a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. Here we see again at the same time being referred to uh, by a vision given to John. We see this time, times and a half a time, it's three and a half years. Um, and this is why Jesus said in Matthew 24, uh, verse 15 and 16, When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, Stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. Then let them which be in Judah flee unto the mountains. This will be halfway through the tribulation period when the Antichrist will go to the temple. He'll set himself up as God, which is the abomination of desolation. The whole world will worship him, and he'll do his best at that time to destroy the Jewish people. It will ultimately bring about the battle of Armageddon. I want to tell you folks, and I'm, I'm sharing all of this with you, bottom line, to tell you. None of this is a joke. It's not a game. We have already seen how charismatic leaders can take our world by storm. Whether you want to buy into that or not. We've seen political leaders, governmental leaders. Uh, there's been leaders of different sects of people uh, that have just been so charismatic that they captivate people. The Antichrist will do that to the entire world. 
I'm here again to say, you can choose to believe in the pre-tribulation rapture if you want to. You can believe in the mid-tribulation. I don't believe it's a doctrinal thing, and I don't believe it's going to keep you out of heaven either way. You can believe in the post-tribulation rapture if you want. But if I were you, I would begin living my life starting right now as though there was going to be a pre-tribulation rapture. I would not roll the dice, figuratively speaking, and say, well, if I miss the rapture, I'll get my heart right with God after the rapture. You don't. You have to understand. I'm just beginning this study. This is just a foundation. But you have to understand who this Antichrist is going to be. He's going to be the devil, I believe, manifested in flesh. He's going to be able to do signs, miracles, and wonders, and he will deceive you. You will believe it, and you will worship him as you have said here tonight and worshiped God if you miss the rapture. You'll take the mark of the beast. You'll be deceived to do that. The Bible is very clear. I don't want to scare anybody. I don't want to scare our young people. But you can live worldly, and you can gamble your soul on what the Bible says and what you think it says and based on your personal preferences and how bad you want to live it. But I'll tell you tonight, I'd rather err on the side of caution and land 20 yards inside the pearly gates and get there. And Jesus said, you know, half of that stuff you did you didn't have to do to get here, that'd be okay with me. I would sure hate to make it within six inches. And he'd say, sorry, you missed it. I think some of us need to get a little more overboard for Jesus than we are and not roll the dice and say, well, God will understand and God will appreciate me and he'll know what I've been through and all that stuff. There's, I'm going to hold up my iPad, but there's a Bible in it, obviously. We're going to be judged according to the scripture, not your preferences. And if you miss the rapture, I'm telling you here tonight, if you miss the rapture, you'll become subservient to this Antichrist person and he will take you to hell with him. That's why I'm so here lately, and I've been studying this for months before I even started this series, and it's one of the biggest driving factors when I get in this pulpit and preach to you people every Sunday. Sometimes I feel like I'm going to explode. I want to shout and scream to the top of my lungs, please give your heart to God. Live consistent. Be what God wants you to be. Go for your destiny. Let God lead and guide you. Put your life in the hands of God. I, I, I preach that continually because when you read the back of the book and you understand what's coming, there's people sitting here tonight. I just can't hardly stand the thought of you missing the rapture. There's people here tonight that don't have the baptism of the Holy Ghost and really don't seem to care about it. But if you miss the rapture, you're going to become subservient to a system that you don't understand. You don't understand. I'm here to tell you tonight in all due respect, just to give you a basis of comparison. The Antichrist is going to make Adolf Hitler look like a saint. Do you understand that tonight? Can you get your head around that? When your baby is crying and you refuse to take the mark of the beast and your baby's now dying and you take the baby to the hospital and they turn you away because you don't have that mark and you go to Walmart and they won't check you out because you don't have the mark and your baby's crying and saying, Daddy, I'm hungry, Mom, I'm hungry. And you go to the, all the people you know that's going to run a black market system and half of them's already been arrested or they've run out of food and their supply lines have been cut off. Listen to me. You don't understand how the government around the world is tracking people. They can track you in your automobile now because there's computer chips in it that they can track your automobile. They can track you with your cell phone. They can track you with any number of things. Somebody sent me an email just a couple of days ago that they're toying now with a fake tattoo. It's a little thing you can put on your forehead. It has computer... Uh, 
chip type things in it. It's a glorified piece of tape that they stamp on your forehead, and it looks like kind of like a tattoo, and they can scan that thing and get everything they need. And it's in your forehead. Isn't that interesting that the Bible said that the mark of the beast would be in their forehead? Who's laughing now? I want, I want our young people to understand. You can play with sin, you can flirt with the world, and you can do all of those crazy things that the Bible teaches against. But when the trumpet sounds, it doesn't matter how high you can jump and how spiritual or not spiritual your parents were, you'll be left behind if you're not ready to meet God. This is why we preach and teach the way we do. I don't want to sound arrogant nor boastful, but I have some kind of a knowledge of what's coming. I study this stuff all the time. You can ask Sister Murphy. I sit at home as much as I can with my laptop on my lap, and I study this stuff, and I study it, and I study it, and I study it. There's coming a time on this planet if parents understood, if parents here tonight understood what was coming to this planet that you are going to subject your children to, you would understand. My brother Murphy is sometimes a little radical and crazy and out there and all that stuff. I've read the back of the book. I know what's coming, and it's a whole lot closer than what you and I care to think. I'm not trying to scare anybody here tonight, but I'm just trying to be real. We'll leave here tonight in our, our nice automobiles, and we'll go to our nice homes, and we'll go to Walmart tomorrow to stock with groceries and Winn-Dixie and all those places, but there's coming a time when it's not going to be like that. And there'll come a time when you'll have plenty of things at Walmart. There'll be all kind of things you can buy, but you won't be able to buy it unless you have a little computer chip in your forehead, or your hand, or in your forehead, that's called the mark of the beast, the mark of the Antichrist. So if you want to roll the dice, live worldly, live sinful, question Scripture, say, I don't believe this part of the Bible applies to me and that part of the Bible applies. Go ahead and roll the dice. When the rapture takes place, you would do anything. You would live any lifestyle that was asked of you to be back here for five minutes. You would do anything. You would do, you're not hearing me tonight. <laughs> you would do anything. You take the attack on our World Trade Centers and multiply it times a million, and you might get some idea of what I'm talking about that's coming on this planet. Again, I'm not trying to scare anybody, but it's prophecy, and it is so blatant anymore. It's in front of us, man. It's here. I, I, it's, you can see it so clearly. The direction our, our, our own government is going right now. It is amazing. It is it's just impossible to believe that in the United States of America, we had a president who was publicly sworn in putting his hand on the Bible, but in privately he was sworn in with his hand on the Koran. Want to know where the Antichrist is coming from? They're already set, man. They're, they're everywhere, all over the world. They're all over the world in high places. It can come from anywhere. The global stage has been set for all of these things to happen. If, if, if things weren't going on in the world, I probably wouldn't be talking about it that much. But it's so blatant, man. It's right here in front of us. It's right here ahead of us. And it's time for people in this church to make a decision, as Joshua did in the Old Testament, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I don't know about you, but I want to be ready for the rapture. Would you stand with me tonight? I want to be ready. I want to be ready. It's not a game, and I, I teach continually. I know Brother Merrill does on Sunday morning and Sunday school and other times. That you're going to be judged 
according to what thus saith the word of God, not your preferences and not your ideas and not your feelings and opinions. It's not going to be based on your past circumstances and how you was treated as a child and how you was treated by a spouse and how you was raised in XYZ religion. It's not going to be based on none of that. The Bible said you're going to stand before God and the books are going to be open. I believe it's a 66 books of the Bible. You'll stand before God, the books will be open, and that's what's going to judge you. That'll be the standard that judges you. Lanny Wolf wrote a song years ago, and it's based on a simple, almost comical cliche, but the truth of it is so incredibly amazing. Get right or get left. You will have to get right or we're going to get left. I'm pleading with our young people. I'm pleading with our moms and dads, our moms and dads of our young people, with our children. Uh, somebody visited here recently and said, my word, this, this church has more kids than I've ever seen in any church in my life proportionate to its size. That means we have parents here with, that a lot of you have a lot of kids in your home. Are you ready to explain to them why your family missed the rapture? Are you ready to explain to them that there's no more church and there's no more Brother Murphy and there's no more church families? Are you ready to explain what happened and why? Because we didn't believe the, all of the Bible and we didn't think Brother Murphy was old and traditional and old-fashioned and all that's not true and he never could get a grip on the new modern-day church and all that stuff. I want to be as modern and progressive as I can, but we cannot abandon the truth of the Word of God. If we do, we're not going to be saved, man. We're just not going to be saved. Praise God. So it's not only your soul, Mom and Dad, but it's your kids. And we have young people here tonight. I dare say if the trumpet sounded, I would really be concerned as to whether they'd make it or not. And I'm talking about your kids. I'm talking about your kids. We have to get our calling and election sure. And we have to know where we stand with God at all times. Because I believe we could hear the sound of a trumpet any day. It could be any day now. Any day now. It could happen. I want to be ready to meet him. Is that how you feel tonight? One more time, let's give up some praise and worship to the Lord. Hallelujah.